You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 125, covering Tapestry and Birthright, Part 1, with Adrian Bakhnivsky. Friends, we're back, and we have an old friend who hasn't been here in... How long is it, Adrian? <laughs> I'm not going to count again. It's been a while. Oh, come on. It was, it was adorable. <laughs> 50, you said I haven't been here in 53 weeks. <laughs> Matt, when was the last time you were on the show? Uh, one week. Hey. Uh, no, it was like five days. Listen, my last appearance was Shades of Grey, so... Oh, oh, God, you're God, right. I'm was sorry it really that, that long? Yes. <laughs> oh. But that's okay, because so we have a good double feature today, so... That's true. We, uh, You haven't talked to Matt in longer than 53 weeks then, because uh, he skipped out on that one. No, I was there for Fifty Shades of Grey. I was. I missed out on the neutral zone. Oh, that's right. Yes. I, yeah. He was here for one season finale and the other one. Yes. Right. yes. And then I needed a break. Well... Understandable after Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, we're, we're committed, but you can, you, you know... You can say, whoa, no, 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 no. I'm jumping off this for a yeah. while. Thanks, you want to talk about stuff that was worse than Aquiel or uh, Night Terrors. Yeah, you just wait. You just I will wait. just wait. Fortunately, as Adrian said, this is a, this is a particularly good bright spot in Season 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel bad because Adrian originally signed on for The Inner Light, which I had to bump him from because we had to do something in front of a crowd that we didn't hate. No, yeah, it's fine, kind of man. I was so happy for you guys to be able to do that and for it to go off as well as it did. So It was it was a great opportunity. But like I say, I didn't want to get up there with the next pair of episodes that we didn't like and have Ugh, yeah. potential new people think we hate the show because we don't hate the show. We like no. the show. But we don't. We just like hate Mark Sam Twain. Clemens. Yeah, that's a fucker. <laughs> Damn it! Now imagine Mark Twain and Aquiel together. No, I don't want to. I scared a time traveler's daughter. <laughs> On a completely different note, Adrian. It was his dog. It was the dog. <laughs> Why don't you tell us all about, as Matt said, tapes try. <laughs> all right, tapes try. A story of scotch. DEFCON 4. Panic grips the scene. An away team who took the time to make sure their transport pose was really cool beams directly into sickbay with a dead Picard. Picard goes into the light and meets God, who of course is Q. E-Gad. Q decides to give Picard a second chance to put right what once went wrong and hope that the next leap will be the leap home. Jean- <laughs> Jean-Luc Bakula is then put into his younger self and told he can save his life by not getting stabbed by goofy-looking aliens. Picard reveals to Q that he pulled off his own Kobayashi Maru on a bumper table, pool table of all places. Some sort of bumpy Asher pool roo, if you may. This fabled oh. Picard mover, maneuver, the other much less popular one, led directly to his attack by the moccasins or whatever that would give him the metal potato heart of his. Picard tries to convince Jimmy Spaceman, also known as Corey, to not cheat at <laughs> fucking Bumper Pool, and gets laid by his old Ra- old Rachel Ross will-they-won't-they they friend, while Key reminds him that the whole time that essentially he's managed to change nothing. After Picard, after Picard wakes up full of feels with Q in his bed, and the Slash community is born, the next generation anyway, Kirk and Spock will always have each other. Picard protects Jimmy Spaceman... And changes the future. Picard is now wearing the Bever uniform, and some dude named Holloway is captain of the Enterprise. Essentially, Picard is now a loser. Alive, but a loser. Even Troy is above him. And Nail celebrates his qualities of punctuality and good work, I guess. 
And when Picard wants Q to change everything back, Q calls him out on his ego and his own mistakes, how they molded and shaped him into the man he would become. Q gives him a final chance, and Picard chooses fruit, getting stabbed in the heart, thus, in an odd way, fulfilling the prophecy set forth by the Bexong loser. However, this is a quickly nulled as he comes back to life for some reason, laughing and making everyone else feel awkward. Q has once again tested Picard, and he ultimately passed. He then tells R- Riker all about the bumpy Ajapuru. I <laughs> put that in there twice. <laughs> Nothing has changed, and everything is back to normal. He still got laid, though. That must have been pretty sweet. All right. I, I'm, I'm noticing as I follow along in your summary here, you were originally going to make a very obscure Mitchell and Webb reference, and it appears that you decided not I to. I didn't. It, <laughs> the, the flow, I, I, I read through it once, and I changed. Uh-huh. I must have missed a word or two, and it didn't work, so. No, no, I understand completely. But, and uh, that's a miss. Or Irish Gav and probably no one else. Oh, that's a miss. Oh, that's a miss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the Gavs will get that and nobody else, but that's... That's okay. That's, I don't mind writing for them. No, no, That no, was for you, English Gav, fun. who knows nothing about Star Trek. <laughs> what is Star Trek, anyway? That's you a know good what? question. As, as hack as this sounds, this is Star Trek, really. This is one of those, like, probably top five episodes. This is just yep. fucking phenomenal. And it would have been so easy to fuck up, too. Yeah, it's it, like like uh, The Inner Light, which is, it was all a dream. This is, mm-hmm. hey, it's a wonderful life in Star Trek. Oh, really? Yep. Well, as was as has been mentioned by, you know, us and others, this is essentially a It's a Wonderful Life episode, which is not, every, yeah. every, every television show's done it, but this one was really, really good. What would the world be like if I had never been born? <laughs> or failing that, never gotten stabbed in the heart? What would life be I'd like if I didn't run the bank? <laughs> was that your Mary? combination, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Patrick? I was trying to figure out how to combine the two, Whoa, and Jimmy it just kind of Stewart. just nah. Yeah. The Merry boys. Christmas, sick bay. <laughs> you old sick bay. <laughs> wow. Merry Christmas, you lovable old bever. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> Adrian, tell me a good thing about this episode full of good things. Good thing, eh? I had to pick just one. Uh, and when the history change happens... Um, it feels real. Uh, there's there's a derision from Worf and Riker, Troy, and even Jordy, and it's palatable. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. unsettling, and it's the first time I've I know I've squirmed in my seat due to uncomfortableness that was like scripted and not from uh, Tasha's underboob or Troy's nipples, <laughs> uh, which makes me sad that all of the boobs outside of. Uh, like anything out of season one, Troy Cleavage is scary and sad. Um, yeah, there's a lot of shameful nudity on this show. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, well, they did an entire episode about also, it. Also, Bumper Pool survived into the 24th century. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, that That's was part a surprise. Of your thing, huh? I don't know why I was so charmed by that, but it just cracked me up. Of like all the things to survive, Bumper Pool. Human play Bumper Pool. They had to give it a dignified name like Dom Jot. Human play Which Dom the, Jot. The, the dude Corey. Uh, what do you call him? <laughs> Spaceman Jimmy. Yeah. In, I played a lot of Dom Jot. It just, wow, could that line sound stupider? Nope. Corey. Um, you're right, though, when he, when he uh, goes back to his life and he realizes he hasn't taken any chances and he's just this sad. He's like a 60-year-old lieutenant junior grade, which is, like, probably what Wesley is by now. Yeah. And I'm not even like, kidding. That's pathetic. Yeah, it's really pathetic. And you're right, because there's a, there's a bit where he's like, okay, Q, we're done here, right? And Q doesn't show up. And he's like, um, am, Q? I, am I this guy now? Jesus. This sucks. Yeah, this is not cool. 
Well, I mean, and that's why the sort of the big thing of the episode is like he he basically chooses to die over having a boring life, which is pretty fucking badass. Yeah, it's it's uh, the ruling in hell versus serving in heaven kind of thing. It's, yeah, you know, I I'd rather go out as me than stay alive as some awful boring person. Right, but at the same time, it doesn't like, feel can... like a sort of brash Kirk decision. Um, no, not at all. Because, like, I, I think Kirk would have chosen death in a similar situation, but I don't think it would have been in a way to, like, say, fuck you. I think it would have been more of a thing like, I liked my life. I was right. proud of what I did. Um, well, well, I don't think Kirk's the kind of guy who would have regrets when he died, you know? I also don't think Kirk's the kind of guy who would die, but that's a, that's another <laughs> that's a good point. Another time. Uh, that's true. We'll have, an, we, we'll have an episode for that. Yeah, unfortunately we will. As much as I like that movie, I did not like that part. Uh, speaking of Kirk, though, Adrian, you had this really good insight. Like looking over your notes here, it's like Jesus. This is like this will this will take up some discussion. This will uh, this is a good thing to hash out. Can you do you mind? Uh, uh, I'll I'll, I'll read a little bit here because I don't remember. I'll, I'll try to like like basically. I think this along with Inner Light that Picard has now had time to fully reflect reflect on like what was and could have been in his life and what would have been like, he's seen the entire spectrum of his life from any, every possible angle now. Yep. And like, well, I, and even in best of both worlds, he's seen what it would be like if he was a mass murderer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like he's seen his life in so many different ways now that I think even though they never say it, it totally informs his decisions that would come at the end spoilers that come at the end of the series without giving away what they right. are for people who maybe have never seen yeah. it, even though what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> like his every major decision he makes, like it seems to like ch be a choice of life, even though he chooses to die to me, it's a choice of how he would have rather lived rather than, how to die. Whereas in Kirk, especially in, in the movies, like death are his major changing points. Death of Spock, death of his son, uh, death of Genesis, death of like, you know, random people, well, the enterprise, death of well, the, the enterprise, enterprise death of like random people well, even, in the series. When even some, the series yeah. started off with the death of his best friend. Sure, and like just death of just like somebody, uh, there was an episode where they thought, you know, doesn't bones die in an episode, as I recall, like fake die. I don't no, know. Actually, that's uh, Kirk. That's no, that's Kirk. Web. That's right. Yeah, like, and his ghost sort of comes back. That's right. Yeah. Like Kirk is always about death, where well, at least yeah. it feels that way. It may not be true. And Picard, yeah. he no, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Picard, he it's chooses a... like he his choice seems to be more towards life. Like Measure of a Man springs to mind, in which like you, you know the choice was like is Data like life or is he nothing? Should we just reprogram him? And he looks at his, like, right. killing him. And even if you think about the pilot, he chooses to, like, protect this new life form that they found and such, regardless of no, what... No, and, and it feeds back to his whole love of, of the unexplained, of the unexplored, of, you know, the, the new frontier, new life, and all that stuff, and, and that sort of, you know, it all ties together, I think. Right, yeah. and it's like, it's really this beautiful, it's, it's really kind of poetic how it informs this character who is, you know, is this such a stark contrast to Kirk, but in his own way is just as good um, as Kirk, even though Kirk, you know, was fun to watch, you know, be this womanizing action hero. It's very interesting to see this older guy who's very self-reflective and right. wants to protect, you know, not just himself, but his crew and like just life in general. And that, there's something, mm -hmm. there's something kind of nice about that. And I think like, uh, I don't know. I think that goes further to promoting Gene's vision of the future 
uh, that may not be true or exist or anything than anything he may have said or done. So. Well, and that's the thing. A good writer can can push that vision forward without being terrible and hacky about it. I mean, there really wasn't a lot of actual conflict here. There wasn't a lot of, you know, like, I mean, yeah, the Nausicans, whatever, but it was really more an internal thing than anything. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as... As far as, you know, the, the people comparing Kirk and Picard, we've tried really hard not to do that. But this is an angle I've never heard before. I really like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, well, it's interesting. it may be bullshit, but I, I think it works to an extent. So, <laughs> I think you could build a, a thesis out of it. So, I don't know. I mean, it still could be bullshit. That doesn't mean a damn thing. My but, PhD yeah. thesis is about Star Trek. Please make me a doctor. Hey, we, we know <laughs> somebody who's going for her master's and she's writing about Star Trek. So, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's not. The, I would. I would love to be a doctor awesome. of Star Trek. <laughs> then they could call you Doctor Star Trek. <laughs> oh man, I want to be called Doctor. St when we finish this podcast, we better get honorary doctorates from somebody, right? That's why I'm in this. I don't. I don't care I'm, about watching the show. I, you know, I'm hoping for one from Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Can he do that? Is that like the American version of knighting people? He must be able to, right? I confer this honorary degree upon you. If anyone can give you an honorary doctorate, Bill Cosby can. Yeah, the thing is, Cosby's getting up there in years, and we're not going to be done with Enterprise till like, 2017, so hopefully he's Oh, by then he'll by be then. long dead. Could be. Could be. Uh, Matt, tell me a good thing. All right, I will. Okay. As soon as I find it. Okay, it's where it says good thing, Matt. All right. Picard and bed together. After years Pic of hang, suspicion... Hang on, hang on. You said Picard and bed together. Oh, Picard and Q in bed together. Okay. After years of suspicion, it's nice to have my theory vindicated. <laughs> oh, and Q totally saves Picard's life in this one. He's come so far from that guy we ran into an encounter at Farpoint, which is why he, which is why it's kind of nice to, to see him go right back to right back to that in his very next appearance. Yeah, he, there's definitely. Well, actually, that feeds into my good thing. We'll cover that and we'll we'll loop back to yours because yours has all more, right. Yours has sort of more meat on it than mine does, but it's. The ratio between the serious stuff, like when you see Q the first time and he's like, yep, you're dead. And it's just kind of like scary. Yeah. And then, but he then turns the corner to the comedy. There's some of the funniest stuff this show's ever done in this episode. Mm -hmm. There's the bit where he comes in with the um, bow tie, with the flowers. I had to, I had to look real quick to make sure that wasn't Adrian's no, quote. No, no, no. It would have been my quote. Okay. I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> when he walks in and flowers, is there a John Luck Pickard here? I mean, just <laughs> there's so many little things. And, and the scene you mentioned, Matt, where they're in bed, where there's this great shot of Picard, like a, a, a hand reaches over and touches his ear. And he's got this little smile like, mm, I just got mm. laid and I'm waking up next to her. And then you zoom out and it's Q. And he does like not a hacky double take, but a great actor double take where he looks. And then he realizes and he pulls the sheets <laughs> up. Pulls the sheets up. up. <laughs> well, I love that he covers his chest. Yeah. But it's so, like, there's so Don't much look at my funny stuff in here. But Delancey covers both of those so well. Mm -hmm. He turns on a dime. He's got that menace, but he's also got the taunting, but he's also just fucking wacky. Yep. And, you know, it's a complex load of stuff, and he does it all. And I have a note here. I can't believe I even wrote this down. Kudos, <laughs> Mr. Delancey, or should I say kudos? Boo. You're a bad man, Al. Yeah, look. <laughs> you're you're still up on me by about sixty five hundred. Yeah, but people expect it from me. Oh well. So you're saying I'm better than you? Is that what you're saying? Theoretically, yes. Awesome. Until now, <laughs> I hate it when mom and dad fight. 
No, you don't. You love it. <laughs> that's why people show up. They want they want to know about Star Trek, but they really want to see me and Matt fight. That's, yep. That's what this is all about. Uh, it's so cute. Um, but, uh, Matt, your your stuff, I think, goes a little deeper about, like, Q, the character. Mm-hmm. I just thought Delancey carried it well, but I think we should we should talk more about it. No, I just it. I think it's interesting to see how far he's come over the years from the, uh, you know, I've talked about this in Q episodes before, but just... Well, it's been a gradual pro- uh, progression. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been a suddenly now they're writing him like this. Yeah, but I mean, we have gotten to the this point now where Picard dies, like he flat out just dies. Yep. And Q sort of comes and, comes and you know, gives him the whole, well, if you're going to die, I'm going to show you, you know, what you did wrong and... You know, give you a chance to fix it. I mean, he fucks with him at first. Oh, of course he He's does. He's like, we're that's... gonna spend forever together. Isn't that yeah. great? Because <laughs> you know, that's fucking how Q. That's how Q is. Yep. He does. And if there's one thing he loves, it's fucking needling Picard. I just like how he's an asshole about it, too. He's like, I should smite you or something. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Whatever the fuck you people do. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't care. But I mean, at the end of the episode, he, you know, he teaches Q something, and he sit or he teaches Picard something, and he flat out saves his life. Yeah, and and the banter between them, like first Picard's that usual cue. Let me out mm-hmm. of this. What are we doing? Yeah. And by the end, they're just sort of having casual conversation. Yeah. Well, and by the end, like he flat out asks you to save his life. Like he asks yeah, you right. for help, which is something I yeah. never, you know, Picard would have never done. He did it in Q Who. He did it when the Borg are chasing him and he's going to die, and he said, "Q, I need you," because I remember mm-hmm. making the fan fiction. That's right. But he, I think that was more out of like anger almost. No, that was that was I want to protect my crew. That wasn't yeah. personal. That was so desperate much. desperation. Yeah. But this Which is, I guess this was too. Yeah, I guess it so. Was, you're right. But in a totally different way. Like, I'm desperate not to be this horrible person anymore. Like I say, the conflict was almost entirely in his head. It was all yeah. about the missed opportunities and the you know, what if I'd done it this way? Well, if you'd done it that way, you'd have been terrible. That's But I agree with Matt's assumption uh, not assumption, but assertion about uh, Q. I feel like this is like almost his final test. And it's sort of like, okay, now we got to go back to this promise I made yeah. you from the beginning. Now we have to see whether or not, you know, this is this worked. But it's it's always been him testing him. He talks mm-hmm. about testing humanity, but he's always really been testing Picard. Well, Picard is his perfect representation of humanity. <laughs> Which feeds back into your theory that he wants to have sex with him. Yeah. I still don't buy it. I don't think he just wants to have sex with him. Oh, I think no, he's no. in love with him. Yeah. I don't buy that at all. I think he's fascinated by him. I think he wants to be his friend. He doesn't want to disappoint Picard just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so Picard, so Q's daddy issues. So, yes. again, uh, surrogate dad. Yep. I can't believe I have daddy issues. I was the first thing in the universe. I am dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the uber dad, and somehow. <laughs> okay, Adrian, tell me a bad thing. Uh, it was hard finding a bad thing because this is really yeah, good. Uh, yeah. But I did not. The not. Uh, I know we complain a lot about. Well, you, not we, but. Well, the forehead bumps. I'm about to make up on aliens, but I thought the yeah. Nosigans looked terrible. Uh, they really mm-hmm. like. It's it's just a dude in a mask, and you can even tell it's a mask, really, and it's that's yep. bad. It looks like they started making a Klingon and then fucked up and started molding teeth at the bottom and like yeah. Yeah, well, because they have side teeth, you it's know. A... Yeah, to eat the the side ham that they have on their plate. <laughs> it's you, you know it's bad when you can see the teeth behind the teeth. Yeah, yeah, and it's like not the a, real it's guy's not a badass teeth. second row of teeth like a shark. It's just the human teeth for the guy wearing the mask. Yeah, that's it. Well, there's his real mouth. Hi, real mouth. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's it's bad. Apparently, the Nausicans were named after some anime thing, Nausicaa, or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. There's a little nod to that. Apparently, there's a bunch of that in, in Next Gen, little hidden things. Uh, huh. The USS Yamato was named after something from... Uh, Starship Yamato? Yeah. You're obviously more familiar with that stuff than I was an anime kid back in high school. Yeah, whoever the designers are, whoever come up with the names for stuff like that are big anime fans. And mm. early 90s anime before it was a big thing over here, so it was more obscure. Yeah, most people you could get away it. with that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not that you could get away with it. You could probably do that now. Everyone's all into the wink, wink, look at this reference thing now. But at the time, it was just like nobody knew what it meant, which is, yeah. I think, extra cool. Uh, Matt, bad thing. Hi. I was really disappointed to learn that the name Corey survives <laughs> into the 24th century. Do, do we have listeners named Corey? Hi, guys. Sorry your name sucks so bad. <laughs> Sorry about your name. <laughs> Speaking of Corey, uh, that is one dorky-ass Conan O'Brien-looking motherfucker. Yeah. Okay, but look at him and tell me his name's not Corey. No, no, that dude is named... That is definitely a Corey. That's a Corey right there. Yeah, you're Corey. Yeah. I'm sorry you're Couldn't Corey, but you are. like, Eric Stoltz, because, like... No, Eric Stoltz is too cool. I know, that's a thing. But I mean, <laughs> this guy looked like the lame. This guy really struck me as like Tom Paris or fake Tom Paris. Yeah, he, but... he was like a lamer version of Richie Cunningham. Like, if that's even yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Wouldn't and... the lamer version of Richie Cunningham be uh, Clint Howard? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you relish him as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the chick in their group. Uh, yep. What was it, Marta? Was that it? Was it? Marta. I have no idea. Was it Marta? I have no idea. I've been watching Arrested Development, so I assume it's Marta. I have no idea. What's her name? I don't know. Well, Her the mono. chick in their group. Marty. The obviously memorable chick in their group. Oh, uh, whatever the hell her name is. Who cares? Came off to me a bit like uh, Donna from Twin Peaks in that she seems like this really wholesome girl that wants to have an edge and just can't mm. really pull it off. Well, I mean, and, you know, it. she only falls in love with Picard when he turns into an old man. Yeah, so. she obviously has some daddy issues going on there. Just like everyone else. <laughs> Throw her name on the pile. Yep. That's that's the whole underlying current of the show is uh, everyone's got daddy issues and doesn't want to disappoint Picard. No, she, she only hooks up with him after he turns into an old man. Then they have sex. And then she doesn't want anything to do with him ever again. Yep. <laughs> that's about right. At least yep. she doesn't poke her own eyes out. That's true. So there's that. That's a plus. So, my bad thing. Yes, tell us about it. Well, that kudos joke, first of all. What is wrong <laughs> with me? Yeah, you're... <laughs> that was horrible. Okay, they had to do this for the episode, and I can't imagine them doing it any other way. But seeing 60-year-old Picard cavorting with 20-year-olds, or, you know, TV's idea of 20-year-olds, more like 30. <laughs> I mean, th these guys are supposed to be out of the academy, but really. <laughs> yeah. They look, like, they look like your age, Matt. Yep. They do not look like kids who just got out of college. Nope. Uh, it's just unsettling. He's like that one older guy who's dating your friend and becomes part of the circle, but he's just so much older than you, and he doesn't have any of the cultural frame of, hey! Yeah, weird, <laughs> isn't it? I get the, really, though, I get I mean, the he reference. Looks old. He's old. <laughs> he's bald. He's, you know. I'm cool. I'm hip, kids. I'm Captain. I'm Ensign Picard. <laughs> Coming at ya. Do you understand what I mean? That's what though? the like, kids say, right? It had to be him, obviously. Oh yeah, they. I mean, they have a young Picard for a couple of seconds. So you see who he's supposed to be, and then we get on. Yeah, with it. right. But I mean, would they would they could, this episode wouldn't have worked if they no, had just used have that the kid. Yep. You got to have the guy we're attached to, and you got to have that strength of acting. Mm -hmm. So no, I understand completely, but it still took me out of it a little bit. 
every now and then to remember that he's supposed to be 20, 21, Let's whatever. go skateboarding. That's what kids like to do, correct? Yeah. Hey, or riding a dune buggy. Let's go to the mall. <laughs> didn't quite work for me. Shut up, Leonard. <laughs> yes, that's it. He's Leonard from Community. Thank you. <laughs> that is exactly who he is. I didn't find that nearly as disturbing as Picard in his little blue uniform. Is oh yeah yeah at the end where he's that the was sad fucking guy weird that, uh, that Adrian was talking about yeah it's yeah. real like I it just really it, that really is unsettling um, yeah it is and that's a sign of a good episode when they can do something that a million shows have done and make you give a care mm-hmm. it's actually pretty impressive I would say like, that's probably the most horrific thing that's episode. actually worked on the show well because we know this guy this guy for six years has been the symbol of authority the as we joke, but we're not entirely joking, the father figure. Mm-hmm. To see him reduced to one of the lesser kids. Yeah. Yeah. Is, All of these people who are always trying to get his respect have no interest in him whatsoever. And that's I weird. what you're responding to, Adrian. All these characters that, you know, that look up to him and idolize him just treat him like he's nothing. That's probably yeah, I mean, got that da- vibe. Data doesn't really, isn't really derisive, but he doesn't know him. And that's just, even that's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Jordy being like, hello, I needed that thing. And yeah, you're and Jordy's like, the most likable guy on the ship. The only other person he's treated like that that we know of is Barkley. And that's the company you're in, Picard, huh? Barkley. Yeah. Welcome aboard. You didn't even rate the nerd squad. Nope. That's just... You rate the guy who cleans up the holodeck after Barkley is done with all. I don't you're know. I, I, would watch a, I would watch an alternate universe Picard hang out with Barkley. I'd, I'd watch that spinoff. You'd watch God, Star what Trek Jizzmopper? <laughs> Gotta be better than Enterprise, right? What's that, Matt? Gotta be better than Enterprise. Well, yeah, probably. Wasn't it the alternate title for <laughs> Enterprise? <laughs> Star Trek Jizzmopper? Yes. No, that would be too interesting. Blackula is the most boring guy. I almost said Blackula. That would have been a great <laughs> captain right there. Blah. Uh, captain Blackula. He's it's getting funky in Count here. Blackula. <laughs> Oh, man, why can't that exist? That sounds fantastic. Star Trek the meets Blackula. Cisco gets bitten by a vampire, goes back in time, and becomes the captain of the first Enterprise. <laughs> Done. Uh, I love it. In a 30-second joke run on a podcast, we've made a better pitch than Enterprise. How, how, yep. how isn't this not like a J.J. Abrams show right now? Well, yeah. the guy's a little busy, I think. Just let but, just let yeah. us do it, <laughs> JJ. Well, we right. have a pitch for you. Yeah, we work Black on the spaceship. Let me let me get on a, a quick little tangent here. All right. We were talking about the, the the video game, the new Star Trek video game, based on the movies, which I just got, and I'll I'll let you know how it is if it's worth even talking about. Um, and I mentioned the Gorn, the Gorner in it, and I've gone on and on about how the movies have this great opportunity to explore some aliens we haven't seen much of, and I always say the Gorn because. You know, evil lizard guys. That'd be a cool thing we haven't seen much of. We've seen the Klingons, we've seen the Romulans, but we don't know much about the Gorn. So I'm going on and on about that on Twitter. And there's this dude with a Gorn Captain Twitter account mm-hmm. who answers back. And I figure, oh, it's a vanity search. He's going to make some dumb joke. But he starts going on and on about Jar Jar Abrams, how he's ruined Star Trek, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't rise to the trolling, but I just like, really? Jar Jar Abrams, huh? Uh-huh. Wow. That's, oh, Christ. That's pathetic. He must have stayed up all night thinking of that one. (laughs) Well, and then then Kirk whacked him with a good solid club, and that was the end of him. (laughs) That solved that problem. I just, for for those of you on Twitter, look out. There's a a very angry Gorn captain out there who's not happy there's a new movie coming out. 
Did he laugh at it derisively, like, <laughs> what, you mean like, uh... Like Muttley. Muttley? <laughs> Dang it. Yes. Yeah, he has the Muttley laugh. Right. Anyway, is there any further business on Tapestry, or, uh... It's hard to talk um, about, because there's not many jokes you can episode. make, because it's just really, it's no. just high quality. No, and that's one of those things we struggle with with the inner light, like, shit, we're getting in front of people, we better find some jokes, but we had to run through three or four times to find them because it's hard because it's it's so great yeah i, course, I feel like naturally. this episode and inner light are like inherently linked um even yeah. though they never say it i yeah, feel totally. like they're inherently linked together yeah absolutely and that like if you wa- like if there's only a couple ones you watch like you watch inner light and then you watch this one um the thing is when you when you go through and you say this is the best episode this is one of the best episodes they're almost always picard centric not just that he plays an important part but they're in his head they're about mm-hmm. him it's weird that it's always him and the more i think about it the more i realize that's one of the reasons i've responded to the show less than i did with the original series is because you at least had those core three there yeah. and this show's about picard the rest of them are just kind of there no you're right yeah it tries to be more of an ensemble and i think it is less of an ensemble. It's really just about the one guy. And last thing before you continue, uh, we all sure. did like the old uniforms coming back. Oh yeah. No, that was fantastic. And I'm sure that was yeah. one more like he, he's a big fan of the original series. Well, Picard's old. So they'd be wearing these uniforms, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch. Uh, oh, I did want to say yes. one more thing. I was looking up on uh, memory alpha. Uh, apparently the original plan was, uh, they were going to have for the captain, of the enterprise, uh, for Picard, when Picard's there as the uh-huh. whatever the fuck he ended up being, uh, I was supposed to be Jellico. That would have been cool. That would have been interesting. Yeah, nice, nice little callback. But we can't have callbacks. No, I would have liked it, especially it after like such a recent you know appearance. It would have been cool yeah. to have him again because it would have been fresh yeah. in people's minds and such. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the, you can't do serialized TV in 1992. That's and that that made me th- that made me think it'd be cool. He goes into. Uh, sick bay to go talk to Beverly at one point and right. Q's there and I was just thinking it'd be awesome if Pulaski was there instead that's true okay Matt you realize you said awesome and Pulaski in the same sentence without saying yeah. not <laughs> I've told you multiple times you turn me around on Pulaski I know okay? but I just I, look there's not a lot I, I do this with but I was right ha <laughs> <laughs> listen We've... I've given you ample time to sing the I was right song and you never took me up on I'm it I'm still do it I am evil Homer <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any any further things, either of you? Nah. No, I think that's it. Adrian, hit me with a quote. Uh, it's a bit long, but the uh, quote that um, the little spiel that Q gives Picard about who he's become. The Jean-Luc Picard you wanted to be, the one who did not fight the Nausicaan, had quite a different career from the one you remember. That Picard never had a brush with death, never came face to face with his own mortality. Never realized how fragile life is or how important each moment must be. So his life never came into focus. He drifted through much of his career with no plan or agenda, going from one assignment to the next, never seizing the opportunities that presented themselves. He never led the away team on Milica III to save the ambassador. Or take charge of the Stargazer's bridge when its captain was killed. And no one ever offered him a command. He learned to play it safe. And he never, ever got noticed by anyone. Yeah, I noticed that you uh, that you picked a long, serious one, which is definitely a, a solid 
choice. I mean, I was, gonna, I was debating on going with John Luck Picard because that's really funny, but I really... Well, there's a few of them like that is the thing. I feel like this little, like, this little spiel that Q has, like, is, is exactly, like, what Picard is. No, that's the episode right there. That yeah. is mm-hmm. the right there in that minute or whatever it is is totally that that sums up the episode. But on the other hand, a woman named Penny throwing a drink in his face and him saying, Penny, for your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good, too. Uh, that's a mad. That seems like a mad thing. Like this. Yeah, a little bit. No, it's a little. Oh, it's a little. Subtle for <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I hurt your feelings? Oh, my feeling. <laughs> his feeling. You notice that was a singular, not a plural. You hurt my feeling. Oh. It's weird seeing Delancey here being entirely in control of a situation and then years later seeing him in Breaking Bad where he's just so not. Yeah. That's a good point too. It's again it it speaks to the the strength of this actor. It's he can hold his own against Patrick Stewart and he can go to that completely other end of the spectrum for another project which is great. Yeah, absolutely. God, he was so good in that show. Yeah, he was. All right, time to push forward to Birthright Part 1. Yeah, why don't you tell us about Birthright Part 1, Al? Uh, because I'm the one that does the asking, not you. Why don't you tell, tell us about Birthright Part 1, Al? Alright, I'll do that. I always forget <laughs> you're also on this show. I don't forget that at all, because I don't want to write two summaries. Damn right. Alright, so Captain Picard has agreed to study Bajoran aqueducts, as well as their roads, sanitation, medicine, education, and the wine. But apart from those things, what have the Bajoran ever done for us? <laughs> oh, and that's a that's a Life of Brian reference. Come on, you guys. Really? Mm. Nothing, huh? Oh, well. <laughs> oh, and they've docked at a remote station called Deep Thing. Based on the first ten minutes of this episode, Deep Thing is apparently a giant mall in space and not much else. Thankfully, we start meeting some shady characters and the place starts to look like a location that might be worth setting a TV series in. Here comes a jug-eared melty man right now. <laughs> he says he has information leading to the arrest of Moog, father of Worf. Do Klingon names work like that? God, I hope Worf never has to introduce himself as Worf, father, father of Alexander. <laughs> anyway, apparently Moog, whose own father, incidentally, was named Worf, that's not confusing at all, survived the Kittimer attack, and jug-eared Melty Man pisses off Worf by daring to suggest that his father might still be alive. Which, yeah, that's a good reason to yell at your subordinates and sass back to nails. <laughs> Fortunately, Troy senses that something's wrong when all this happens, tracks Worf down, and makes fun of him for breaking a table. <laughs> Actually, I gotta say, while her sensing wasn't exactly something it would take an empath to see... Troy does actually proactively go to Worf rather than waiting for him to ask for help because he obviously never do that. And she counsels him with her actual skills. Those pants really made a difference, you guys. <laughs> she convinces Worf that maybe it's not such a bad thing that his dad might be alive, and he goes and has a weird conversation in 10 forward with Data where neither of them are talking about the same thing at all. It'd, it'd be like one of those farces, except it's actually interesting. Then he dons the tactical turtleneck he picked up in Chain of Command and heads off on an adventure. Meanwhile, Data's hanging out with our man Bashir, the dashing young doctor from Deep Thing. <laughs> he has some kind of ray gun or phase pulse, what's it? Who knows? Looks like an old manual transmission to me from the old truck I like to work on. But it's from the Gamma Quadrant, so it's all mysterious. So mysterious that it zaps Data unconscious and gives him dreams. It's possibly dreams of electric sheep if you're watching the restored, uncut director's pre-studio pre-narration cut, now with three minutes of extra missing footage. <laughs> Data's fascinated by the dream, but he gets bored wandering the corridors of the Enterprise endlessly, so he yells, Freebird! And poof, <laughs> there's Dr. Noonien not doing the hilarious old man voice because he's just Brent Spiner, soon, talking about humanity and giving a care. And a bird, as requested. Apparently this dream thing was set to activate once Data's trillions of calculations per second managed to solve the human equation. But the zap from that old catalytic converter or whatever set it off early. 
and now Data wants to bring himself to a near-death state to get another fix of dreamy wonderment. Looks like somebody saw Flatliners. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's a planet with some Klingons, and also some Romulans, but you're going to have to wait till next time to see what that's about. Matt, please don't sing the Best of Both Worlds music here. This is a mid-season uh-huh. two-parter. Save that for Lore's Magic Castle. We're going to need every scrap of levity we can get at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> this, I'm just going to jump right into my good thing here. This episode yeah, was right. written by Brandon Braga. I liked it. We all liked it. Yeah. He wrote a good episode. I can't. Yeah. Like, that's it. I can't. I can't qualify that. I can't that's say. That's weird. Except this was a solid episode. Yeah. And, no, it's really good. And yeah. even the things that you get on Braga about a lot, like his techno babble and his stuff. ghosts and mysticism in space basically actually really yeah. work to the benefit of this episode. I think because mm-hmm. it contrasts with Data's, you know, cold logic and the fact that he's a robot and it's clearly not some kind of weird spiritual mystical thing. It's something to do with his software. You know what I mean? That sort of grounds it in more science-y yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. But I don't know. It works here. You're absolutely right. Uh, Adrian, what about you? What's your good thing? Uh, do I have a good thing? I do. Um, yes. I, uh, Michael Dorn. Um, uh-huh. It's been a while since we've had a really good Worf episode, I think, at least I, as I, if I can remember, and he definitely shines in this episode. Um, oh, yeah. The arc of the character has been tremendous as a whole. Uh, in a syndicated mm. little of no continuity show, other than Picard and maybe Data at this point, Worf has shown the greatest amount of growth and change in the series. Like, for the dude who was just, hey, look, a Klingon in the pilot to the man he is now, it's been a great ride. Chalk, I say, chalk, which is a Klingon okay, word I, I made up. Clean. I was gonna say I only speak like two words of Klingon, which uh, it's got a it's got an apostrophe in it, so it must be a Klingon word. Well, that's the thing; you could have fooled us. I don't think we, Matt, you wouldn't have known, would you? Nope. Yeah. That looks like a Klingon word to me. Yeah, I know how to say to be or not to be, and uh, kapla, and that's it. Yep, pretty much all there is. No, you're you're definitely right about that. He's got. I always love it. I mean, Worf's usually just angry Worf, but he's got a couple of really solemn, quiet moments and. When he's talking to Troy, he feels like he's really opening up to her. Yeah. And then when he's talking to Data, he's just kind of off in another world, kind of thinking, yeah. I really like that scene between Worf and Data. Yeah, I mean, I joke about that it had nothing to do, like, they were talking about different things, but it still was a good scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really the only thing. I like seeing those two together. Yeah, you don't see them often. It's weird how, like, they, hey, we're here all the time. We never hang out. Why don't we do this more often, man? Well, and that's really the only linking theme in Birthright is that that title applies to the fact that they both are dealing with father issues of one kind or another. Mm, yeah. But apart from that, there's absolutely no... I mean, like, Worf actually knows Data's name, and yet they never hang out. Well, <laughs> they did briefly, is the thing. He might not have known his name then. Right. But <laughs> they did hang out. He was on the nerd squad for a while there. With, yeah. With Jordy and what's-his-name kid, and... Uh, before and he the bailed, robot, you know, Metal Man. Uh, uh what's his face? Lore. Yeah, that's him, right? They call, yeah, I heard him call him that Lore guy. once. Must be that. Pretty sure that came up once or twice. That, yeah. but yeah, the, the, we the should s- hang out more. <laughs> the scene in Ten Ford is We're both really weird good. looking it's guys. Probably in the yellow. best piece of acting I think Dorn has done, um, in in the show. Um, I, it's I, not I, overly ham. Exactly. It like it could get. It's so close to being hammy, but he 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 well, nails it. The way it. he normally plays Worf, you would expect him to get hammy at times like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like You just see him switching from angry guy to oh no, I'm really concerned. But no, he he plays it really well. Yep. Matt, 
Him on uh him on DS9 is also really great when he's threatening Melty Guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good scene too. No, you're gonna take me now. And that uh, that leads into your good thing, actually. Oh yeah. Uh Deep Space fucking nine, motherfucker. Yep. From the second of this episode when they play the opening theme song, oh, I that's completely the, first, the very first thing it fades up at the beginning and plays the theme song. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ. Yep. Come on, aren't we there yet? And then fucking Bashir shows up and hangs out with Data and Jordy for most of the episode, and he is awesome! He is. The thing is, I'm not complaining, it's great, but where's everyone else? I mean, I'm sure they can only afford okay. one guy okay, here's or the something. Thing. If you're watching Next Gen and you've never seen Deep Space Nine, which is sort of the point of this, mm. to win us over, we hypothetical fans who have never seen Deep Space Nine, which was me in 1992, I had no interest in this, 93 I think by this point. I, I, yeah, it's a space station. Who cares? I was one of those guys. Who cares? Um, this show convinced me that Deep Space Nine is a mall because they're all talking about the shops and the restaurants and that Chief O'Brien's there, but we can't be bothered to see him. Actually, here's the no, thing. No, that was disappointing. We've never seen Chief O'Brien leave. We assume he's mm -hmm. still on the Enterprise. Jordy says something about the replicators suck. Chief O'Brien should come here to fix them. Well, why would he come off the Enterprise to fix the station's replicators? That's true. Right. We, we, I have no idea where he is or why he's there. They could have at least said well, he works here now. Do you want the real it. reason or do you not care? Because the real reason, um, the real reason is they were filming other episodes of Deep Space Nine, and they actually took Bashir off that episode. Uh, I okay, but I think a line of exposition saying Chief O'Brien works here over now would have gone a long way. To oh, I agree. I think they could have built a little bit more that. continuity. Uh, I mean, the real reason is just logistics. But it, no, like no, originally, it was according to uh, good old memory off, it was supposed to be Dax. Yeah, that would have been cool too. Um, yeah. Although I think Jordy would have been intimidated by. Her. I think Jordy would have just <laughs> yep. like been well, like, "I like you." Well, yeah, You're but that's what I mean. Let's be friends forever. Yeah. Well, and you pointed out, Adrian, that that Bashir is basically uh, what basically Jordy wishes Jordy he with... could be. I think in a lot of ways, yeah. which is yeah. like <laughs> he's a super nerd. I've never thought he's of that like before. super nerdy, but at the same time, he's like actually kind of charming and cool yeah, and Mr. can make it with too. ladies if he mm. needs to. But that's what I'm saying. He can make it with ladies, but he can't have Dax, who is like the, the you know, the king of ladies. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, hey, it works. She's been both genders. No, I know. <laughs> well put. But if, if he can't do it, then Jordy definitely couldn't. He'd just be crazy intimidated. Yep. Mm -hmm. My point is, you wouldn't have to have more actors. I mean, one more would have been nice. A little, a little cameo by Quark or something. But at least throw some exposition in explaining... Here's what's going on here. Here's what Chief O'Brien went. You know, something. But there's, there's yeah. just nothing there. Like, where is this place? Who cares? No, I agree. I, it would have been nice to see Quark. I think, yeah. um, even but though he does show up, back... he does show up in a, another episode. But As that's Quark? true. So. Does he really? Yeah, I think so. Later in the series. Yeah, he does show up in one episode for that. real quick. Uh, I'm not confident enough to challenge you on that, but I don't think you're right. Because I remember Memory Alpha saying that he, that he was one of a couple of characters who have been in three different Star Trek episodes oh, yeah, I know or he, series. He kicked Voyager off, because yeah. that, that sort of ended up being the tradition, is that each show had someone from the previous show mm -hmm. coming in the pilot to, to sort of push them off. And it was Quark in that one. But no, I don't mm -hmm. remember. I don't know. We'll see. We'll get there. Yeah. But I think retrospectively, because we all have seen and like Deep Space Nine, we know what's going on here. But if you'd never seen the show before, this doesn't really do a good job of making us care. You know what I mean? No, I guess that's true. Which is unfortunate, because we know how good it is. Mm -hmm. But you know, <clears throat> I was just overcome with excitement. Well, yeah, because we have that attachment. But if we're doing this 
the way I wish we could, which is taking it as it comes, mm. we it would be. I think we'd be fairly indifferent to it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Which I wouldn't is, blame you. Yeah, though Bashir is very. It, it, Bashir is a lot of fun. Oh no, he's a great character. So. Yes. Even if you've never heard of him before, he's a great character, <clears throat> and he plays off Data so well. Yeah, he does. There's a whole. Scene. I love. I love him asking the, like the weird, mundane crap about. Well, and that's, your hair grow. That's thank you. That's my quote. Data, can I ask you a personal question? Certainly. Does your hair grow? I can control the rate of my follicle replenishment. However, I have not yet had a reason to modify the length of my hair. Why do you ask? Oh, just curious. Is something wrong, Doctor? Were you breathing? Yes. I do have a functional respiratory system. However, its purpose is to maintain thermal control of my internal systems. I am, in fact, capable of functioning for extended periods in a vacuum. And you have a pulse. My circulatory system not only produces biochemical lubricants, it regulates microhydraulic power. Most people are interested in my extraordinary abilities, how fast I can compute, my memory capacity, how long I will live. No one has ever asked me if my hair will grow or noticed that I can breathe. Well, your creator went to a lot of trouble to make you seem human. I find that fascinating. No, I, I love that as well. Um, oh, you have a pulse, too. And he's like, uh, no, I do not paint my bald spot. Why would you even ask? <laughs> By the way, something, why you care? Apparently I have a shitty Bashir impression all queued up for when we get there. Oh, good. I talk to Bashir. <laughs> as long as you keep saying that. I don't think there's any... Well, I guess we could do Odo. That one's not hard. That's right, Quark. But apart from that, it's really hard to do those guys. I'm trying to think. Well, there's also Captain Cisco. You can just right. talk and then you like talk to your this. Uh, and hi, I'm Dax. Yes. Hello, <laughs> the pretty one. <laughs> and I'm Kira. <laughs> uh, Adrian, tell me a bad thing. Um, and this is just a picky. It's a dumb thing, but I I hate it when they list part one of something. Um. Just because that way there's no surprise that oh we're gonna get another episode to resolve whatever and this especially because really feel like especially because like none of the data stuff in this episode is resolved in part two it's all mm. resolved in this one episode he does dream more right like that's where we get the, no uh, the... that's well, where the uh, the yeah, cake episode yeah, comes from not in part two there is not a single moment of data so in part two right because I went ahead and watched um, it no but we do come back to his dreaming again yes yeah, do. you do. Um, but if I, if I review that episode, I'm absolutely using that as my quote, Pat. So no cheating. Which... Actually, no, you get to do it next time. So never mind. The cellular peptide uh -huh. cake with me. No, of course. Thing. Yeah. Yes. But I just realized <laughs> that you'll be doing it. So I just stepped on your quote and I don't care. Good. I, sir. Good. I requested that one. I like it. It's fucking weird. Past Algar is a Vichel... dick. Yep. Totally is. No, Vishal has to future to future <laughs> Matt anyway. <laughs> yep. Oh, and past Matt and present Matt and yeah. side world all, Matt who says all, the border all Matt's at once. Yep. Crisis on Infinite Matt. Matt's what? Yes, long bearded yeah. Matt who says the border everywhere. Um, Matt, bad thing. Uh, this episode's really good, but I feel it would have been better served if it was two episodes. And there's a note here saying it is two episodes. Uh -huh. I know it's two episodes. 
I just think one of them should have been focused entirely on data, and one of them should have been entirely focused on Worf. Well, and the data why... stuff comes off. Re- the data stuff comes off really well, but a lot of the Klingon stuff felt li- felt light and stretched out. Yeah, yeah. like he spends a lot of time on DS Nine trying to decide whether or not he's going to go off with Melty Guy. Right. No, and that's the reason we were still in the middle of talking about Adrian's, and I kind of wanted to get you going on yours too because. Mm. While we do know it's part one of two, you're right. It feels sort of disjointed. There's only that sort of loose connection between the two of them. And the second yeah. one is just going to do the wharf thing. It's like it felt like they didn't have enough story and they had too much story. And they're like, well, here's half an episode and one and a half. Let's make it two. Yeah. But the thing is that – which is a good complaint because, no. like, there is a lot. I think they could have gone further with the data thing because there's a lot to be oh, totally. said there. There's no ship mm-hmm. in deadly danger that's the problem, whereas Worf gets all the action, and so, sure. you know, the show always has to have that, and so that's mm-hmm. that's how they get around that, I guess. But if you think about the money they spend, they get, when they do a two-parter, they get more money. Yeah. Because they get to basically do one story with two episodes worth of money, and uh, they they use the existing sets of DS9, so they didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of that. And the planet, which is my bad thing, that Worf's crawling around on, looks like five potted plants that they just kept repositioning <laughs> as he walked. Oh, yeah, that's a shitty-ass planet, yeah, man. jungle planets on this show, just awful. And, you know, say what you will about CG and stuff, but now at least, if they don't go on location, they can make it look more realistic than five potted plants. Nah, yeah, it looked really bad. It did. Um, they, all, they must have spent all the money on James Cromwell. Yeah. James, yippee Kaye, I invented Warp Drive. Let's drink some whiskey. Woohoo, Cromwell. That was a great casting choice, by the way, considering I had no idea it was him until it was explained to me. I did because he's got a pretty distinctive voice, but otherwise, yeah. I just kept thinking he sounded like Odo. And you fixated on his nostrils for some point. Yeah, he had really reason. visible little, like, nostrils on his lip, and it drove me crazy. And apparently I'm the only one. <laughs> I don't know, Adrian. Did they bug you? It didn't bug me. I had no. I, I, I didn't on focus on that at all. No, you're yeah, all uh, you're all this one, alone on this one. Cheese. Sorry. <laughs> Man. Uh, so what else? Sad I mean, now. this is another one of those where it was good, and I took some notes, but it's like I don't, I don't have a lot to say really. Not really. We got another appi- uh, appearance by Dr. Noonien Sung. Well, yeah, but he, I don't think he had this voice long. No, because he's a young no, man. slightly younger, Data. Yeah, I think I didn't sound quite like this. I think Spiner probably said, if I'm going to play him again, I am not getting in all that fucking makeup. I already put on makeup all day, every day. Let me, let <laughs> yeah. me just be me for a change. Let me you put on you my guys get vest. one. My usual black <laughs> My usual, my, and mm. just have my usual looks and weird hair. Right, the way I come in before you do my makeup. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's wrong with the way I dress? Yeah, everybody dresses like a 16th century painter, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, here's my here's my steam and bucket. Can we work that into the, uh, into the shop <laughs> and well? my anvil? You know, for my blacksmithing class. I don't even know what I'm anvils big... are for, apart from dropping on cartoon characters. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of of disassembled birds. Can you fit that in somehow? <laughs> See, I like. I usually hate TV's idea of dreams. I just hate them. They're not like mm. dreams. That's why I like The Sopranos. It was the first time I saw dreams on TV that actually looked like dreams to me. But yeah. because it's an you know an android's dreams, which you can't say without electric sheep, but it's 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 sort of deliberately manufactured, and it is supposed to be like that, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting, and I like uh, you pointed out uh, Captain Spot, of course. Mm. 
Yes. Well, <laughs> I love how Data's just matter-of-factly talking about what's in his dream. Well, you appear to be a blacksmith. My potted plant is here. Worf is running through it like it's some kind of a jungle. And uh, mm -hmm. my cat is here in the captain's chair. My cat is a captain, as I've always expected him to be. <laughs> he ate a bunch of pips, and that makes him a captain. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't have spot. Fed if you spot, you have vomited on the carpet once again. <laughs> Sorry, you have vomited on the carpet once again, sir. <laughs> you have vomited on the carpet once again, Admiral. <laughs> Kitty on the bridge. <laughs> you know, thinking about this episode though, even that, like, even though you said like they needed the war stuff for conflict, even then there's like not that much conflict, like. Well, no, not really. In his epic, like, there's some there's some menacing, so that might be rated like right. PG thirteen for like teen menacing or something. Teen um, menacing. <laughs> um, but that like otherwise, like, like there's just not not much conflict in this episode at all. That's true. I'm pretty sure Team Menace was my uh, was my high school project mayhem attempt. <laughs> <laughs> you are not your it, geometry class. It did not go well. <laughs> No, you're right, there isn't. In the next one, there definitely will be. I remember a lot of the stuff from the next episode with, with Worf. I don't know, I was just kind of bored with the Worf thing. Like, the whole bit is, and I don't. I think I only very lightly touched on this, is he thinks there's a prison camp where his father is, and it turns out it's a prison camp where Klingons and Romulans are living together. Mass hysteria. We don't know this yet. Yeah, we don't know this yet, but they're living together peacefully. In harmony. So, spoilers, whatever. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's not that big of a deal to them. Not really. And um, spoilers, also, he's very angry about this. Yeah, who didn't see that coming? Well, Worf is a racist against Romulans. Yeah, he absolutely is a, a Romulan racist, and I don't think it changed. I don't remember, but I don't think he changes by the end of that one either. A Romulan? No. Yes. Oh God, that's it. You're never coming. Back. What are you trying to take my job here? Come on. <laughs> I did one time. Yeah, it's true. I remember. He he's the only one, Matt. Because no, everybody gets one. Adrian is the only one who has taken over for you. And I did poorly. You did a masterful job, nah, too. That's not true at all. No, because nobody can be Matt. Nobody would want to be. Well, well. <laughs> oh, that's true. Wow. <laughs> I come onto all your right. show. There goes my feet. There goes shit. my feeling again. <laughs> After it just grew back. Yep. Damn it. All right. Any any additional bidness? You've I think we're done here, frankly. Oh, I, Adrian, anything? <laughs> I guess we're done, Dad. <laughs> no, I'm. I, that's not. Let's stop. No, I that's, know. Mo Mom's any... angry, so it's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, I will turn this show around, <laughs> and we will do Aquiel again. Oh no! <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't really. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to make special mention of uh, a listener of ours, Jason, who. Uh, I, I was not aware of this until just now. Apparently at Emerald City, met with Sir Patrick Stewart, had a picture taken with him, with his family, wearing our Sarcastic Voyage uh, fan club shirt. Yeah. With Patrick Stewart, like hugging Patrick Stewart wearing a Sarcastier shirt. Fuck that, yeah! That is fucking fantastic. Yep. I was I was very happy to see that, and uh, Jason, thank you very much for that. That was that was amazing. Of course, the the backdrop made me think that he ran into Sir Patrick and Sears, <laughs> <laughs> but no, apparently it was at Emerald City. Ah, yes, the Stewart family photo. Right now, everyone say cheese. Jason and his family photo bombed Patrick Stewart. 
Sure. It seems more likely that Patrick Stewart photobombed their, their family picture. That seems more likely. And I saw everything. <laughs> <laughs> Make room for Patrick coming in. Excuse me, Sir Patrick? He Knight of the Realm, self, sir. please. That's right. gauche. If, uh, if, if the game ends up being any good, I will tell you. But I'm not a game guy. I think you might want to wait for Matt to play it and tell you. But, uh, but I, might, I might talk briefly about that in the coming weeks. Uh, May 17th, the movie comes out. Uh, I believe that's a Friday. The, the following Sunday, we will be doing a show dedicated to that. Yep, I will We're be traveling move. down to America. Yes, we're going to see it twice. Once so I can jump up and down and clap like a little boy, and mm. then the second time so we can actually pay attention. Yeah. Uh, but that the following Sunday, the 19th, or possibly Monday the 20th, we will that show will be out. Uh, we're going to call it Supplemental 13, and then the rest of the show will pick up after that. But basically, you knew we had to stop everything to do that. Because, uh, let's be honest, that, that first movie is why the show exists. Yeah. So it's a bit of a priority for us. So look forward to that. All right, Adrian, it's been a while, so you got anything saved up, anything you wanted to say, anything? Uh, it was anything the dog! <laughs> it was the dog. It was the dog! Matt, say your other thing. See ya, folks! The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.